listeners, we've hit a very important milestone in the Omnibus podcast. Very milestone podcasting general that we've uh, we've made it to six months. And it doesn't look like we were gonna get canceled yet. So wait, we made it to six months. When? Yeah, we started we started in January. Holy crap! Yeah, you're right. Today, we didn't make it to six as months. As of now, this is at the time of recording. This is August first, 2021. Mm-hmm. Holy crap! Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, like with any six-month marker at any important uh, institution, it is time for the surprise employee evalu- evaluation. And I think, <laughs> Bill, it's time for, you know, as the president, CEO, and owner of uh, Longstar Waco Enterpri- Media Enterprises, I think I should uh, let you know how you're doing. Uh, Please, as a, yes. As a, as a work for hire contractor. <laughs> All right, let, me, let me pull up my evaluation form here. All right. Um, works to fullest, works to full potential. Uh, I'm gonna put satisfactory. Okay. You're something to improve on. Uh, quality of work. Uh, satisfactory. You know, you could, could be better. Could be better. Not bad. <laughs> could be better. Oh. Uh, this is. Uh, I'm gonna put unsatisfactory. Wait. Uh, oh, work consistency. Uh, yes. Um, punctuality. Very unsatisfactory. I mean, well, uh, I, I I can take that. I'm always late. You know, constantly we're we're having to like push it back. It's like, all right, give me give me 20 minutes, give me half an hour, give me an hour. Can we make it Monday instead? Um, you know, I I've been listening to this other podcast. They made 600 episodes, and both girls show up on time. You know, well, we're never, you know, we're never gonna make it 600 episodes with that with that attitude, Phil. I don't think so. Hell, we barely made it to 40, I think. Uh, no, we're not even at 30. Oh, we're not even at 30. Holy crap. Oh, but that's good. That leads me to um, uh, uh, Takes Initiative. You know, the fact that you didn't even know our episode count. Now that's, I'm going to butt you down at an unsatisfactory. <laughs> um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, you know, your overall score. I'm going to say needs improvement. And I'm afraid I'm going to have to put you on probation okay. uh, for your, your employment status here at uh, OnStar. Waco Enterprises at the Omnibus, uh, and, and and you know I'll give you some room for improvement. But uh, while you're doing that, I also want you to take time to to think about you know as we're I'm going to conduct a search for your replacement here. Uh, Phil, tell me why I should not fire you, but you have to use words about the letter E. You have ten. You have five seconds. I am a goat. I am a goat. That it? That it. All right. So let's let's bring on a possible uh, replacement here. Um, you know, our good good friend of the podcast, Peter Glanting. <laughs> Pete, tell me why I should hire you as a co-host again without using words that have the letter E. Uh, thank you, Rick. <laughs> I is good pal. Uh, we'll bring food to you. I cool with Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that, that's way more effort putting some uh, than my sentence. So I guess I guess Pete will be replacing me on the omnibus, and I I wish him all the luck. Thank right. you, Phil. Fling. I guess we'll we'll discuss uh, uh, you know you know period of transition and uh, and a rate for Pete uh, to be determined at a later point. 
um, offer void were prohibited. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be very hard to negotiate without the letter E. Yeah. Oh, all right. So, listeners, uh, what we're doing. So, no, you don't have to worry. Phil's not going anywhere. Aha. Uh, for now. <laughs> we'll see. Totally but uh, something me and Phil have wanted to do for a while, uh, as you know, we do like we like to do, like every once in a while, uh, take a break from talking comics, talk about some like you know a little a commentary on something comic book related media, and me and Phil are huge fans of The Simpsons. Yes. And we thought for this extra special episode, why don't we bring in the what is most likely the only other fan of The Simpsons we know for both of us. Our good buddy, Pete Glantick. Thank you for having me. It's uh, nice that the uh, the California cheeseburgers ride again. Uh, uh, that was the Simpsons trivia team name that we used. Uh, and now it's good that we've broadened out to include three people. Yeah, oh. Especially one that's not from California. Uh, yes. You know, potato, potato. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. that. I, I never learned what that expression meant, and I won't now. Yeah. Not on this podcast, not on any. No. And for all you listeners out there complaining, but go back to talking about comics, you sell out. Whoa, little do you know, people. I imagine most people don't know this. Matt Groening was actually a cartoonist before he became big with the Simpsons. Yes, yes, he was. Uh, what was the name of his uh, the first comic he did? I believe the, the big thing he was known for before was uh, a cartoon called Life, as in like cartoon strip, called right. Life is Hell. Um, I've never read it. I've never read it. Um, as I understand, it's like a very like cynical take on, uh, let's look it up actually. Comic strip by Matt Groening published from 1977 to 2012. I did not know that. Wow. That's a lot longer than I thought. Uh, covers anthropomorphic animal uh, rabbits and a gay couple couples, a wide range of subjects such as love, sex, death, angst, social alienation, self-loving, inevitable doom. Um, I believe, as I understand, and anyone can correct me, any pure, any super hardcore Simpsons fan can correct me. I think the reason why The Simpsons came about, yes, yeah, right here, it's, it's it could be a comparison, is that he was asked to like pitch a project to James L. Brooks, who was like a big Hollywood producer, one of the producers of The Simpsons, but he didn't want to do Life Is Hell because he didn't want to lose the rights to that. Mm-hmm. So he like, I think either he very, very hastily. And I mean, like, literally, I think, like, scribbled, like, right before the meeting. Just, like, eh, let's do a cartoon about uh, an American family and they're dysfunctional. <laughs> really? That's interesting. Because I remember watching a documentary. I feel like either a documentary or, like, one of those weird things about, like, you know, this is your life, Matt Groening. Groening and it, like, it talked about, like, how even as a kid, like, he wanted to create a cartoon show. And like a lot of the Simpsons characters, I don't, I don't really remember where originally where he's from, but a lot of the Simpsons characters actually from here, Portland. And oh, really? Actually, a lot of the characters are named after. And they named after the streets here. Yeah, streets there. I, I, what am I saying? I'm, I'm, I'm living in Atlanta, not in Portland. But yes, but yes, a lot of the streets there are named after characters. Like I remember one that stood out to me particularly is like Flanders Street. For yep. Ned Flanders, so uh, that's in the Northwest. There's uh, Lovejoy Street. Uh, my friend, he grew up on Terrelliger Boulevard. Really? Even, there's even a ramp for it on, on the freeway. It's like wow. off ramp for Terrelliger Boulevard. 
Uh, there's a really good lunch. Uh, there's a really good lunch place on Groundskeeper Willie Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, actually, one of the producers does live here in Portland. I think it's uh, Bill Oakley, and he's oh, always really? posting. Yeah, he's posting, always posting pictures on Twitter of fast food. He's like a self-Christian. He self-Christian himself a fast food critic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just like constantly like going to all these shitty fast food places, and like like literally like here's the burger. It will review like the burger the Burger King location at this town, the Burger King location at this town, like. We're, we're talking like really deep into the fast food stuff. Uh, uh, that brings like you mentioned fast food, and I'm speaking to two Californians here. Is there an In and Out Burger in Portland? No, there's supposed to be one. Um, there, there's talk of one opening up, and I think Lake Oswego, uh, yeah. which is like a, a wealthy uh, city that's like very close to Portland. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But there is there is one already in Oregon, but it's like. Oh hours. really? This it's like three or five hours in here. From here. Holy crap! That's where is it? You know? Um, let's look at it right now. Why not? Uh, in and out. I mean, I never want to go. I I would rather not go. Oregon, Kaiser, Oregon. I have no idea where that is. Kaiser, Oregon. K e k e i z e r. Huh. Kizar. 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 Have you been there? I don't know why. There's a Kizar Stadium in San Francisco. Okay. So, I don't know. Maybe yeah, I tried to correct you. Uh, <laughs> it was a knee-jerk reaction. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll, have, we'll have none of that here. There's only ever thoughtful, nuanced discussion <laughs> on the Omnibus podcast. You sure so, there is. You've got the final edit on this. After this, you can just, like, after I correct you, you can go, like, wah, wah, or uh, what's the other one? Sproingy. Yeah, yeah, all those <laughs> stock sound effects. But the other thing about, in addition to the Mac rating career as a cartoonist, and you can see that influence in The Simpsons, like a big comic book nerd. Uh, you know, I think I would argue The Simpsons is, is played a huge part in making comic books and nerd culture mainstream. Uh, it really has because, like, the oh wow, sorry, I'm still on the In and Out thing. So there's an In and Out in uh. <laughs> Medford. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, in Medford, Oregon, which is looks like a couple miles south of Portland. Yeah, Medford is actually, I think it's like a college town, so it's like it's not a bad place to visit. Um, yeah, somewhere. So it's somewhere between uh, Eugene and Portland. So I don't know how close those are. That's not a couple miles. That's far. <laughs> oh, I mean, like it's it's like close. Okay, wherever Salem is, do you know where Salem is? Salem is the capital. It's quite oh, a distance. Like an hour and a half. An hour and a half? Yeah. Yeah. Direction. It's like an hour and a half away. Okay, so then it's like a little bit north of Salem. So, like, it's closer to you. So, like, maybe it's still, it's still seven like, minutes. Like, the drive, like, probably at least an hour. But don't you want to wet your palate, right? Don't you get homesick and, like, my God, I miss I miss those animal-style fries and, you know, things of those nature. It's I don't miss it enough to go drive an hour. Oh, well then. Especially with the price of cash. <laughs> what? Are you telling me gas is not 280 something over in Portland? It's actually a little bit cheaper than that. <laughs> oh, really? Near, it's like my, my the one near me is 259. Whoa, oh, really? Wow. Yeah. There's a gas station like uh, a few blocks away and 
I think it is legitimately the lo- the cheapest gas station in all of Portland. Must be nice. Well, other no, sorry, yeah. back. there's there's the um I don't know if you've ever seen these the Space Age filling sure. gas stations. Those are cheaper. It's like ten cents cheaper, but it, those places are sketchy as hell, so I never go to them. Yeah, I get diphtheria every time I drive through one. <laughs> uh, but. Speaking, going back to the Simpsons here, popularizing uh, comic book and comic book culture, I guess. Um, me and Phil being huge fans of the Simpsons, and then of course, as the three of us got more into comics, we can appreciate uh, the, the comic book centric episodes a lot more. Get a lot of the jokes and references because they they get in real deep on their knowledge of of superhero comics and the genre. Um, we're going to talk about two seminal ones today. Uh, episode. Season two, episode twenty-one, three man in the comic book, and also the the clat the arguable people call it the the one of and not like the best episodes of the series. Season seven, episode two, radioactive man, commonly <laughs> uh, held as one of the classic episodes of the series. You know, like thinking about it too, I felt like after that radioactive man episode, we never see radioactive man again. Like, except as, like, a background toy. Yeah, I wouldn't surprise if they felt like they kind of milked the gag. Or they just forgot, because uh, after season eight, in my opinion, it went season nine on where it went right downhill. I mean, yes, but I think at the same time, like, I mean, like, the reason I was able to sit through those, because I was watching those as a kid. And as a kid, I didn't have any cable, so, like, prime time was always nightmarish. Because it's like, I don't want to see real people. I want to see, like, you know, funny moving animations. And The Simpsons was that shining light within that primetime uh, lineup. So, so I, think, I think before we begin, I think we a good point to talk about here. Because something that occurred to me thinking about this is that I think we are probably the last generation that can really appreciate The Simpsons. Because uh, it's been on for like 30 years. Yeah. It wasn't, it's only very recently got on the streaming. And it occurred to me that, like, a lot of younger people just weren't even able to watch it for a long time because you know kids people are kids people are not even kids people are age and younger don't really watch tv linear television quote-unquote anymore right. and it's and there's more like mediocre episodes now than there are you know more mediocre seasons there are good seasons and it's one of those shows listen like a lot of like very other seminal shows are, works in their genre that like it changed things so much that if you were to go back and look at it today not knowing the context, you will wonder what's so, what's so special about it. Mm. Uh, so I'd be kind of curious to hear, like, what was your first exposure to The Simpsons and how you consumed it at first, and like maybe like your your favorite episode, favorite line. So I think, well, I would, you know, I watched it as a kid. It was in syndication, uh, just just relentlessly watching it as a kid. I think as early, I was early as like maybe six years old. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and. You know, obviously, I did understand. I got like the visual gags, the simple one, but then like as I got older, I was able to get the deeper humor. Um, I try to remember like one of my favorite episodes as a kid, and I don't know if it still holds up now. Um, I'll tell you, the episode I didn't understand at all as a kid until I got older is um, when John shows up, a character played by John Waters, and Homer thinks Bart is gay. Oh like, yeah. I was like only maybe 10. I had no concept of what homosexuality or being gay. I was like, what? Why is everyone? What does that even mean? Why is he so scared of, of, of Bart being gay? It's like, this guy just a little curly, but I don't see what's wrong with him. 
Right, that, which is interesting though, because I guess thinking about it, that was the first like real exposure to like a gay person on television of that time. I felt like really, I remember just not getting it. Is that like okay, yeah, all the steel workers are like walking around and cut off shorts. What's what's why is everyone upset? I don't get the joke. Yeah, I didn't I didn't quite understand that either. But it's only but like again, like see that just shows like you know. The Simpsons and how it like sits within the culture, right? Because like as an adult, you would understand it, right? But as a kid, you're gonna sit there like, oh, like they're just wearing what they wear to work, like that's it. There's nothing. There's nothing more. There's no hidden agenda. You see, yeah. you, they like, you they see like, what they you, like, you get. What you they, see. They like that song, YMCA. They're, YMCA. Yeah. I didn't know like, YMCA was a gay anthem. What? It wasn't uh, until recently. Actually, if you're referring to the music that they played in the steel mill, I believe it was Everybody Dance. Everybody Dance. Oh, everyone I, caught, I caught myself almost right away, but, like, you know, I should have corrected myself, but then I remember. Oh, wait, we're gonna, we're surrounded by very, three very pedantic people who will correct yeah. <laughs> But wait, was it, wait, wasn't there – oh, no, no, it wasn't the YMCA. It was in the in the Navy. When no, Homer joined the Navy. Yeah. yeah. Um, Pete, how did you get introduced to The Simpsons? Um, I started watching it when I was like five or six. Uh, also like, I, I think I'm a little older than, than you two. I think, um, Simpsons came on the air big time when I was uh, in like kindergarten. So roughly around the time when I like, you know, started to have human thoughts and like, you know, thoughts that you would consider like in, in human, uh, we don't need to get into, you know, cognitive science, but, um, so it was really, uh, kind of, it it uh, really, as a, a series, it really developed as as uh, I was growing up, and um, that's actually kind of how I learned about a lot of like movie cliches, like the um, oh, Bobo the Bear, Citizen Kane. Um, I mean, like I saw Citizen Kane way after I saw that episode and knew exactly how Citizen Kane <laughs> ended because I saw that one episode. Um, so that's, that's so, another, another great thing. It's like it was my introduction to so many like classic movies and stuff. Um, totally. That was my introduction to the, um, the Alfred Hitchcock show where he would like step yeah. into frame. <laughs> and, I, and it was a big thing because in college, my senior year of college, there was a, we were hanging at me, I was hanging out with some people and one of them made a reference to like the Alfred Hitchcock thing and no one else got it except me. And he was like, oh, thank you. Someone got the, someone's seen the Alfred Hitchcock thing. And I said, uh, sorry, the verse your bubble in it, but I only know it from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen the show. I just remember the Simpsons joke. See, like, it's funny because you two were able to go back and watch. I mean, I still honestly have no interest in Citizen Kane, but I always think of the episode when they went to was it Planet Springfield? Yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, it was Planet <laughs> Springfield, and they were like, "Hey, look, it's the Kane from Citizen Kane." He's like, "Wait, yeah. there's no Kane in Citizen Kane," and that's 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 the only context I have for that entire movie. So yeah. there you go. My favorite, my favorite deep cut is uh, the one where they go to Japan. Uh, and, you know, not a great episode, but there were a, good, a few good one-liners. And um, Homer's really mad. He doesn't want to go to Japan. And Marge says, but you like Rashomon. And he goes, that's not how I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like probably one of the most, the last bit of like truly subtle, brilliant humor. That just how many people that that line go over their heads? Yeah, like wow, like you saying that out loud now, because I remember that line as a kid. I was like, I don't get it, but like out now seeing seeing the movie and like hearing the line, I was like, oh snap, that makes all the sense now. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I guess like, what's your 
personal favorite episode. For me, that would be... I'm always going to have a soft spot for uh, Lisa versus Malibu Stacy. Mm. And that's just like, for me, that's just like, um, for those who don't know, it's the episode where um, Lisa finds, it's apparently it's based on a real controversy with Barbie. Like she finally gets a talking about Abu Stacy, which is like their Barbie equivalent, but saying all these like really sexist lines, like thinking gives me wrinkles. And she goes on to basically try to design a new doll that's more progressive. Right. And for me, it's like the perfect fusion of like, you know, hilarity and absurdity, but also just like spot on cultural satire in a way that's like, it is very, it's not, it's not trying to hide what's point of view, but it does in a way that's so funny that you just can't, you know, it's a good way to, it's not preaching at you, but it's so funny. You're okay with listening to it. Mm. How about you, Pete? What's your favorite episode of all time? You say, if you had to choose one. Uh, um, so the one, the one that comes to mind is uh, Cape Fear. Uh, mm. my, I think my favorite gag of all time is when um, they're in the movie theater and, um, you know, obviously Bob is terrorizing the Simpsons and then Homer says, I, I got to say something. Homer is also like smoking a big cigar and smoking up a, a cigar that is even bigger than Sideshow Bob's cigar. Yeah. And he says, hey, bud, my family and I are trying. And then he sees something stupid that Ernest does and just flips flips the F out and then like harasses Bob. It's, I, I, I will watch that like, one minute section of the Simpsons over and over. Um, and just, uh, it still holds up today. <laughs> it's oh, also yeah. just like Homer hit people. Oh yeah. Well, it's a great thing. I think the Simpsons did so well, which was genuinely very novel at the time. Now it's like almost, almost cliche now for comedies to do this, but it was so self-aware and just subverted your usual comedic expectations so much. Uh, the great, the great classic one line I like to say about, um, Lemon of Troy, when Bart goes oh, like, oh, it's yeah. about Jesus. I feel about Jesus is that lemon-shaped rock over there. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait, there's a lot <laughs> in there next behind to that rock. Yeah. Um, let's see. I would have to say my favorite, well, it's cheating because it's literally, it's two episodes, is uh, Who Shot Mr. Burns? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great one. I remember as a kid, I was really invested in that, not getting the greater joke about it being, you know, Who Shot JR and whatnot. Exactly from uh, General Hospital, but like the idea of uh, Dallas. It was Dallas. Yes. I thought it was General Hospital. It's, it's Dallas. Oh wow. See, okay. See, like I don't know Dallas. I know General Hospital. I, I only know it because like it be, the infamous solution was like it was all a dream. That was a cop out for that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. See, but like uh, that episode in, in like in itself like really gave like Lisa and Bart like the starring role to try and well Lisa in particular trying to figure out the the mystery of who shot mr burns and it just brought the entire town together especially the and then the dream sequence of chief wiggum is yeah. like look at this suit oh look yeah at this suit. so that like, that show that's my introduction to twin peaks like <laughs> decade like a decade before i ever watched like decades before i ever watched twin peaks yeah so like that that episode it was that one and uh camp crusty is yeah. a, close, a close second that's a classic one did you guys try to did you guys even, did you guys try to make an attempt to figure out who shot Mr. Burns and, do, and call in the number and all that? I uh, I remember Butterfinger had like a contest and I was like I'm I'm telling you I'm gonna figure this out and I called like I I don't know what happened between my resolve then and when they actually like released these contest winners but I called it I was like it's Maggie I'm telling you it's Maggie 
Um, but I, I think I lacked the uh, the resources or uh, adult knowledge of how to apply to a contest that a candy bar was putting on. Um, and I, it wasn't based on any clue. I was just like, oh, yeah, it's, you know. It's the baby. It has to be the, the baby. baby. Yeah, no, I, I've never, I never thought about, like, I honestly thought it was Smithers who, who shot Mr. Burns. Um, so. The true injustice of this all is that I can't put it on a job resume, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if you guys remember, because I was watching the episode live, and I think right before part two aired, America's Most Wanted did, like, a gag episode. Of like running through the suspects of like who shot Mr. Burns and they actually got John Walsh to act as if this was a real murder mystery he was trying to solve. Whoa. I don't yeah. remember that. I mean, like, this is I don't remember a lot of things in general, but I will remember random promotional <laughs> diets that and I and I swear I don't you probably can't find it on YouTube. I would be surprised if you maybe you could probably find the episode on YouTube. But yeah, it was really hilarious. Just like him interrogating you know, like you know and of course like in the episode they only interrogate the obvious suspects skinner mm. and smithers and barney gumble and moe and all that um anyways let's let's get started here with our of our episode three man a comic book so we'll synchronize uh our play and then you at home listening can also watch the episode at disney plus or dvd or however you do it and <laughs> listen on listen along with us as we watch so let's go um all right three two one uh, let's go all right all right so here we go classic simpsons opening uh funny story since i watched simpsons originally in syndication i for the longest time i didn't know the full the full version of this of the opening oh Oh, because it always it always cut to the clouds the school and then go straight to the car going into the garage yeah, so that's the thing. Like, I only watched it syndication. I didn't learn until years later that there were season jokes they cut out because they had to for time that were like, what? And I watched it on DVD. It's like, I didn't know this joke was always there. Oh, see, that's interesting because I do remember, like, that sometimes they would, because that's how I had to watch out of watching syndication as well. Like, sometimes they would cut it, but sometimes they would leave all, all of them in. So I, I find that interesting. Yeah. Like so, um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, continue. Um, I think in in the Mister uh, Who Shot Mister Burns episode, uh, I never saw it or it, when it originally aired. I only saw it in the syndication, and they cut down the part. They cut out the part where um, I think Homer goes, "I've had it up to here with these rickets." Oh, and, that's uh, sucks. And, and that's down the oh. Yeah, I think I think the thing about syndication is weird. I think it's up to each individual broadcast station. Uh, here we go. Right, so, uh, basic premise of this story is that the Simpsons are going into a comic book convention, which at the time this aired, I want to say, let's see, original air date, uh, May 9th, 1991. Like, probably how many people at this point, like, would even admit they, they go to comic book conventions? Probably, you know, less than 1%. Right. But I think, like, the the opening of this is like just goes off at a strong start like comparing richie rich and casper the friendly ghost and thinking that casper's ghost is richie rich and he probably killed himself because he realized <laughs> you know he couldn't he couldn't he couldn't keep material uh material wealth wasn't worth it so i thought that was like wow this is off to a very heavy start and then here's a uh, bartman uh 
I think it's the first time we see the Bartman joke ever. Yes, it is. Is this um? Do do either of you know if that guy taking um the money was based on a? That guy seems like a very specific choice. Was he based on anyone? Do you know in real life? I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think. I think what it was is that all the writers had just been to enough comic conventions to just know. No, I got to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is also the episode, of the first appearance of Combo Guy. Oh yeah. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> and I think Matt Grading, he said that he basically it was a caricature of himself, that what he imagined people see him as. Oh. That makes uh, sense. I can see it. A, yeah, and this is gonna be funny to see what conventions were like compared to now. Like you know, every, like you know, conventions now just like all, everyone's in on it. All the cosplayers, all the studios, they all see it as like big thing for marketing. But you know, this is a super really rundown version of conventions, just like individual people selling their random crap on tables. Right. So like it's it's interesting. Like you know, thinking about comics conventions back then and how like simplified they are, but now they're like this big huge party. And you know, you we gotta get to Hall H at San Diego to see all the Marvel things. <laughs> and like you know, I guess the idea of like the, the zine, the zine community, the zinesters, they're they're trying to bring bring back that type of convention style. And here we go. Uh, I love this gag of like they show this like old 1930s cereal. Uh, of, of blatant, blatant promotion for smoking. <laughs> I really like the way they rendered the earth blowing up. I thought that explosion was uh, elegant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, something I appreciate now, now knowing more about how, how good the animation was considering the time. And, oh, I, I love this gag where, like, they they put, like, a really dark backstory on the guy who played Radioactive Man. <laughs> yeah. They take elements of, like, um, uh, was it George Reeves who played the first Superman? <laughs> uh, uh, this is where I think this episode is when I learned what the term bordello meant. Me too. It's the first time I, I, I that that word entered my consciousness. I got it confused for the longest time for portobello mushrooms. <laughs> mm. I think not long after this, actually quite a few years. I don't know why I said not long. Is when I win a bordello of blood. A Crypt Keeper movie came out. Yeah. So I was yeah. All right. Here's here's comic book guy. So um, I don't know. I would like to see here if you did if you saw this in CCAP, but when Justin Hall does his comics lecture and he gets to like towards the end talking about like the 90s and he puts up a picture of comic book guy to talk about <laughs> like com- the formation of comic books and he went like all of us know someone like this. Totally. No. Did he, did he also do that for your class? Um, pro- something like that, probably. Uh, I mean, it's just it's so true that I don't know if I just lived it or yeah. if uh, if if yeah, if he mentioned that. Yeah. Um, and we were la- me and Phil last time we were at Comic Con, and really the last Comic Con anybody went to in the last couple of years. Right. We, we ran into we ran into a couple comic book guys. I uh. More than a few. And I was just like really shocked because it's been such a long time that I've ever been around people like that because I'm around people who actually read comics intelligently and have good taste in comics. And it's, just, it's just like, it's always still shocks me that like fanboys, like, and I say, I, I will specifically say fanboys, not to like misgender people, but like there's a very negative, specific native connotation I want to use 
<laughs> uh, just like it's been as long as I just run into like those type of people. Hmm. Never, never, never pleasant to be honest. It, I, I will say it all. It, it is always very jarring to go into those uh, to go into the more um, mainstream comic comic cons. Yeah. Uh, what's the biggest convention you've ever been to, Pete? Either um, either as an attendee or a tabler. You know, when I was a kid, my when my cousin used to be a, a color uh, a colorist for Image when it first started. Uh, mm. Worked for a company called Oli Optics, and oh. uh, she used to take my brother. My brother and I were. Or she was a, a good deal older than uh, my brother and I. She's like 25. So like when we were younger, uh, she would take us to WonderCon when it was still in Oakland. Oh. Um, though, but I, but I can't remember if it was actually really. It seemed very big, but we might have just been young. Before yeah. Comic Con, Phil, what was the biggest one you ever went to? Uh, New York. Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so well, I didn't. Well, I didn't, like, I didn't like how long? Well, like how recent? Like how recently was the last time? Uh, that w- I was still in undergrad, so I want to say this was twenty, either twenty twelve or twenty. 20- no, I lied. I was out of undergrad because I ran into my professor there. So, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so I think it was twenty fifteen. Okay. Yes, so, twenty fifteen. Take a moment to this is a gag that probably no one under thirty will get, or under twenty five will get. It's like they do a gag from the Wonder Years. Which is uh, like a drama that was on during the 90s, kind of popular somewhat. Uh, what's cool is that they actually got the narrator from one of the years to do the gag. Oh, did they really? Yeah, yeah they did. Yeah, because they, yeah. they, they were on at the same time. So, like, you know, they were kind of popular. Uh, what was really great is that apparently they're remaking the one of the years. But right. Yeah, but it's working on like it, a modern black, like a young black family. A young black family, family. yeah, with uh, Don Cheadle as the the narrator. Oh, okay. oh, cool! And and this was like my my one chance uh, to like I posted that clip on Twitter. As <laughs> it's like, oh, this is me when I hear when I hear the remake of the Wonder Years, and it got it got two likes. <laughs> <laughs> that means it was doing numbers. Well, I mean, you know my sense of you, you know my <laughs> sense of humor. It's not it's not meant to appeal to a mass amount, but the people who get it, they'll love it. It'll be a deep cut. <laughs> Which is probably you're why kind of like a, a, I will never make, make a money. salesman, Eric. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's very funny. Like those uh, coins that Bart had to <clears throat> turn in to try and get some money, and it was the um, what's that garbage called? Like it only came up to three cents. Yeah. And yeah. I think it, it it always reminds me of those times I would like find randomly find like two dollar bills back when I, when I was a kid. And thinking like, oh my God, this two this two dollar bill is gonna be worth two thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I had the same thing when I was a kid too. I I remember like watching that scene where Bart was trying to find uh like just spare change around the house and like fe- feeling his pain. Like I think a lot of the Simpsons I just thought was funny and I couldn't really empathize, but like just looking for spare change to you know probably buy toys or something. Right. A pain we all know too 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 much. Oh yeah, it's so, getting real on this podcast. <laughs> so yeah. so this whole gag about uh, Bart he goes to work for this old lady Mrs. Click and does backbreaking physical labor for only fifty cents. That is something that apparently happened to one of the producers. Really? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like as a kid, he was trying to. Earn, I don't think it was earn comic, buy comic books, but he did like a whole day's work 
of hard physical labor, and the lady only paid him fifty cents. Oh wow! So see, so like it's that's 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 a great example of seeing like how like you know certain aspects of your life are able to make great scenes because I think that you know Bart working for this old woman whose whose name I I can't remember. Um, yeah. Yeah, I remember because it's such a it's a funny name. Oh, okay, see, and uh, what's it called? You know, doing all this work and just like being tortured, like really, like you know, resonates with me as a as an adult because it's like because <laughs> it's like, yo, I don't want to work eight hours a day. Like this is annoying. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and of course I love uh, just. They, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I believe this is the first appearance of Mrs. Glick, and she had a different voice when she first started. She was a little bit more kindly, and then later on, yeah, she sounds more like this. She goes, no, Ned, $90. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a great gag, too, when she's watching soap operas, which they, apparently they're all kind of dead now, daytime soap operas. Yeah, uh, they are. Yeah, but, like, America is Genuinely arousing. <laughs> yeah. So this is what I die thing. This is, I didn't get this. I thought for a long time as a kid, I dying was, like, toxic or poison. Mm. I didn't get the joke about, uh, like, the, you know, Deserialization using alcohol. Mm. This is also the first episode where, um, if they're looking at, if there's someone old timey in The Simpsons, they're frequently named Asa, like Asa Phelps from The Flying <laughs> Hellfish. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Especially if it's like a, a soldier. Mm. Even yeah, though the, the Asa in this case was from World War One. Yeah, that great gag earlier about like her mother died because she held a grenade for too long. <laughs> yes. Here we go. The first appearance of the comic book store, uh, the Androids Dungeon. Uh, pretty stereotypic, stereotypical looking comic book stores. Um, I don't know. I, when I was younger, I run into, I ran into a lot of stores like that. Not really in, in Hollywood, in LA, the stores were generally got cooler because they're like just general nerd culture geek culture the port the stores in portland are generally a lot cooler than that what was like the first comic book store you ever went into what was that like guys uh let's see the first com- oh it was a, a store called jim hanley's universe um there's two locations there's the one in manhattan which is much larger and then there's the one on staten island which looks like the androids dungeon <laughs> and uh i remember because i remember taking the bus on staten island and going past it going tra- i think i was going to toys r us or some crap with my mom and i was like what there's a comic book store here like like have my face pressed against the window of the bus like being thoroughly impressed and I remember one night or one day uh, I had off from school, made my way over there, and I was like, I was like, oh my god, I'm living the dream. Like, look, look at all these books, look at all these trades. Oh my god. I mean, of course, I didn't understand the language for what a trade was, but understanding single issues and the the paperbacks and just you know losing my mind and realizing I don't have enough money to buy anything in there. So I just stand in front of the wall just reading until I got <laughs> kicked out. So. Uh, how about you, Pete? Um, I can't remember if it was, uh, so I'm from San Francisco for the listeners. Um, so it might've been, um, Al's comics on Valencia now defunct Al's comics. Um, Mm. I believe he, Al's comics was, uh, not paying their taxes or something. And uh, (laughs) and I think, uh, um, or it might've also been comics. It 
comics experience on Diviz, but I'm not oh. sure. Al's we... comics, Al was uh, actually, I think he was kind of friendly, uh, but I don't know that I got his sense of humor. And I remember for a long time, I was like, man, that guy's a jerk. But I, I think he was actually pretty cool. Um, there were some places <laughs> that were not super cool. Um, but then again, I was a kid. I was a shitty kid. So like, a, who wants a shitty kid? Like, just like getting their candy fingers all over their uh, wares of the, of the store. Yeah, it's right. just like, you know, this comic book guy who's just like laughing at Millhouse Bart and Martin by each co-owning a comic book. And, yeah. oh, I love, I love this guy. I love this man. I, 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 as I understood comic book, we love it more and more. So they narrating like the actual comic book panels that they, the way to cut it is like how you would actually read a comic. Uh, Radioactive Man's Origins, like a, more or less basically the Incredible Hulk, pretty much. So I guess that must have gone to show that uh, Matt Groening is uh or Groening or how do you pronounce his last name? I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce people's last names. Uh, is a big Incredible Hulk <laughs> fan in order to do an origin <laughs> story like that. They, they turned the page with tweezers. They heat it up just to sterilize it. Sterilize <laughs> it. Yeah, that's how you gotta do it. Yeah, I remember thinking because I was checking the air dates. Like, oh yeah, this predates the crash. So like they. You know, comic books are they're right in the midst of the collector craze and you know, they didn't they thought it was a new golden age for the industry. You know, and only a mere five years later it would all mm. come tumbling down. You know, it's funny because I was uh I know you don't care for NPR, Eric, but I was listening to an NPR article, uh not NPR I don't even know what to call them anymore. I guess an article, whatever, because you know you can read it and you can listen to it at the same time. Where they're talking about a big, huge comic book boom now in terms of like you know getting them graded at Sarasota to come back and then being worth hundreds of dollars. And it's like, why? In general, that's happened in the pandemic. The collectibles market has exploded because people are trying to, you know, they're like need to make ends meet. Pokemon mm-hmm. cards, Magic cards, baseball cards comic books there's actually uh announcement i read it's like a, 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 a one of those trading card services they evaluate cards on their condition and their value and they had to say please do not send us any more pokemon cards we're 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 like the first time ever we have too many we are workload as well we can't do anymore do not send us any more pokemon cards oh wow I heard this uh on one of my favorite podcasts spontaneous nation there this guy told this story about going into a a comic book shop and um <clears throat> he was looking at baseball cards and he started to say to the the uh, comic book store owner he said you know when i was a kid i had some baseball cards that my mom and then the comic book shop guy like tapped on the uh, counter and mm-hmm. this guy looked down and there was a sign that says don't tell me about your baseball cards that your mother threw away <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah uh. so this is a great gag uh, so the title, Three Men in Comic Book, is apparently a reference to a comedy that was really popular at the time. Three, uh, Three Men and a Baby. Three Men and a Baby. I've never watched it. I've uh, seen it as a kid. Okay. Have you seen it, Pete? Or knew about it? I think I saw it as a kid also, but I don't... Are drug dealers involved in that movie? or am I, I, I have no know? idea. I, think uh, so. I don't remember. I just remember one of the dads being Burt Reynolds, I think. I I only know it as like a... Nice <laughs> Uh, I only know it as a nice piece of Star Trek trivia because that was director by Leonard Nimoy. Mm. Whoa, really? Yeah, yeah. And this is like 
one of his big forays into non-Star Trek movies. And that was one of his more successful one of his more successful works. You know mm. that um, speaking of people who have directed Star Trek movies, Aaron Abrams. Wait, JJ Abrams. Has he directed a Star Trek movie or was that Star Wars? Uh, he did both. I don't want to get murdered. He did both. Okay, well, you know, but, directed, well, depending on depending on who you talk to, the Star Trek movies were more like Star Wars. Okay, there's, there's, well, there's a very some people carry that opinion in Star yeah. Trek. Especially the, the Abrams. Oh, sorry, go ahead. First, oh, I was gonna say, especially the first one. The first one felt very Star Wars like. The one with um the Chris Pine ones. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The very yeah the very and the very first the first one that came out in 2009 with Nero and all that. I can get. I don't want to reference it too deeply because then I'm the only Star Trek nerd and they're gonna get what everyone says. Yeah, like I've only seen the the two movies and and that's it. I didn't. I didn't watch Beyond, and that like okay, yeah, Eric. But, yeah, you can you can stop talking now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, this made me really sad as a kid. I felt really upset about this comic getting destroyed. Totally. <laughs> and the lightning thing that was like, I get it now as a gag, but I was like really upset when that happened. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Thinking about it now too, I was like, "Wow, this is very hard to watch as a child as well," because yeah. like you know, at this one point, like Millhouse can die. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, watching this last night. I, I was really admiring the uh, the purple and blue shadows in this part. Was, oh yeah, I was, yeah. I'm surprised by the really sophisticated. Yeah, because this also predates uh, digital. They're still yeah. doing everything by hand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If only you know, well, we could I kill for an HD version of this. Uh, to see it really as it is, but uh, and oh yeah, this is this is a nice, great, weird ending though. That's a great one of like the the final panel of the Reactive Man comic in the bird's nest. The end. Yeah, we're all safe for all. Kind of the classic comic book cliffhanger. Yeah. Cause I thought it was very interesting, like how, like, I mean, like. It's Murphy's Law, so like the comic book not only did it fly out of the treehouse, but Santa's little helper comes and rips it up and then gets struck by lightning like yeah. to add insult to injury. It never occurred to me until like just now, what was Santa's little helper doing out in that rainstorm? Oh, wow. I, I see. I never thought about the that. <laughs> oh, nerd! nerd. <laughs> hey, 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 Phil, Phil, hey, hey, Jock, get a load of this nerd here. Whoa, look at this nerd. The great gag in that one is the jerk. The jock just goes, pardon? <laughs> uh, uh, that, uh, that's another uh, another episode I, I thoroughly enjoyed is uh, Homer Goes to College. Yeah, it's classic. That's actually a Conan O'Brien uh, written episode. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, like he was on, and like and you know the way television writing works, uh, back then and still now they all they all contribute to episodes. They're all in the room and they throw in gags and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the ones, but like the, it's only the person who actually writes like the final version gets story credit. And that's like one of the that's like one of the ones that Conan O'Brien like had had story credit on. Oh, see, because I think Conan O'Brien. I mean, I, the first thing you think of is the monorail episode. So. <laughs> yeah. 
it's nice to it's nice to hear he did another one because I think what he was only he was he wasn't even there as a Simpsons writer for that long. Like he was only there well, no, for like because then he got the show, he got the Conan Ryan show, like right well, in the middle. Right. I think one of my favorite Simpsons jokes is in that Simpsons in the monorail episode when uh, they're like, "Hey, Homer, we've got someone to help." Who? Batman? No, a scientist. <laughs> Batman's a scientist. It's not, ba- it's not Batman. <laughs> <laughs> That was that apparently is like a that was a really controversial episode apparently when they were making it because it it kind of violated a lot of the rules about creating wanted because it's just really outlandish like you know letter D boy teleports away yeah <laughs> and like and they, they he really wanted the Simpsons to be really grounded and for kind of a long time it was uh, the first I would say three or four seasons and it wasn't until kind of about that time when Conan Ryan came on they wanted to like really play up the like the cartoon medium let's just go more absurd let's go more you know like the gag of like homer's brain walking out yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh it's also like uh a lot of the apparently the cast really hates the monorail episode too because they said it was it was less about the family and more about like these absurd gags and the celebrity guests leonard nimoy which is uh i think it was the step towards the downhill for the Simpsons was because it started focusing more and more on celebrity guests. Yeah. But, yeah. But that, that was, that was that's the episode where like I felt struck the right balance at the time. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So that was uh three man, a comic book. Um, every time I watch it, it always feels really quaint, you know, just like, Oh yeah. It's like they're doing these like, what would we now it would be pretty basic jokes about comics, like very basic knowledge affair but you know again it was 1991 like hardly anyone would even admit to reading a comic book let alone like show off their deep knowledge of it mm. all right so let's queue up our next episode um, um watch it again from the very beginning or right after yeah, yeah. The- see it from the very beginning so uh this is a classic uh radioactive man original air date i think this is also the time when i actually start watching it in I'll now watch it like the current episodes as they are airing. Uh, yeah, so 95. Yeah, so original air date September 24th, 1995. Uh, kind of like their big budget episode. So let me pull it up here. Um, all right, so let's go. So make sure we're all ready to sync up, guys, and our listeners. So let's go. Three, two, one, and hit play. Okay. All right. So something notable, it's funny, Pete. You mentioned how like great the animation and colors are in the first episode. Uh, this one, <laughs> it's gonna be not so much because this was apparently the first time they tried using digital coloring. Oh. Oh, really? This is why it looks so weird and different from all the episodes before, but even all the episodes afterwards, because they did eventually switch to digital. But like in 1995, people were still kind of figuring out. How to make it work? Hmm. I was thinking about it too, right, guys? I would assume because Photoshop was was fairly new. Um, uh, like... Man, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the uh, the the title Nick, and you can see it's just a guy with a hole in his chest. <laughs> yeah, these great, these great, these great extra gags for deep combo. One's like Star Dog, and there's just like shooting laser out of his nose. Right. Uh, let's see. You got Mr. Actually, Amazing. 
There's the Guana Girl, which is a, a real manga. I doubt I knew at the time. And Mr. Amazing is actually a is an actual DC character, I believe. No, that's uh, what's his name? That's Amazing Man. Oh, whatever. Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which, uh, I think <laughs> I still get this hat gag. It still gets me every time. We need, uh, what's it called? The, we need to bring back the, uh, oh, God damn it. I lost my train of thought now. Right, we need to bring right. back, oh, screensavers. We need to bring back screensavers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I forgot. There's also, I don't know, these big gags of the fairly early internet, <laughs> which is always so foreign to me because I was just, I was just too young. I was just just a little too young to really have access to the internet. So, like, all that, like, chat rooms and alt.net, like, that stuff, wait, it's, like, only just before my time. Right, because, like, not only is it, like, internet, but it's, like, uh, what is what is this, like, uh, I don't even know how to describe HTML internet? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's possible, and that's the way it's going, and those, like, weird message boards. And, oh, here we go. This is a great gag to the Adam West TV show. <laughs> Find the scale master. I can even like the, the even though it's muted, the the impression is so good. I can still hear his campy the campy voice. The campy in my head. voice, yeah. The two best sound effects are uh, Newt and Mint. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Snuff. Snuff. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, that was intentionally their reference to the owner episode of Bort. <laughs> like, who the hell is Bort? Yeah. Like, no, my son is also named Bort. And then they all start dancing. Which is, hey, Bort, so come this, here. Are you talking to me? So this is a reference I actually did. I did find it funny as a kid because I had watched episodes of the Adam West show on reruns. So uh, even as like, what, 10, maybe even 11, I was, I was able to get the reference, which made me happy. Yeah, I, I think it's like. I don't know. Like it was always, it was always weird. <laughs> this like weird middle ground because um, like I knew of it, but I've never actually seen it. So I was able to get the reference, but like I still didn't have like a, a context to put it to. And um, there's always these weird things. I don't know if it happens to you all, but maybe it does. I mean, probably for me because I'm in this weird intersection of being like, you know, growing up in the '90s, but then. Like things from the eighties like lasted well into the nineties, so like it yeah. makes me think like I grew up in the eighties. I I don't know, it's weird. Well, like nineties culture as we think of it didn't really start to take route to like the mid nineties. So mm-hmm. it's always really kind of weird to watch movies in like nineteen ninety to like ninety three <laughs> and I'm still dressed like it's the eighties. Right. This is one of my favorite jokes in the in the episode when uh it's radioactive man. <laughs> huh. Shouldn't be able to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like this episode where like the jokes were just so on point, and this one, yeah, look out, look behind you, radioactive hand. The sun's exploding again. <laughs> oh man. And oh yeah, this is great. Uh, those are great. Marge, do you have other men in this house? Radioactive <laughs> men. <laughs> Another joke that I didn't get as a kid, but I really greatly appreciate as I got older. Uh, so here's a funny question because it's all about like Hollywood filming stuff. Did you was there ever did you ever come across like film crews or film sets in New York film? Uh, no. So yeah, cause in New York, I never really seen any film crew. 
because they mostly were filming in uh, lower Manhattan as well as like parts of Brooklyn and I guess certain parts of Queens, like areas I never go to. Um, so I never really get, get to see film crews, but I was always excited to see like the local news truck. I was like, hey, I want to go stand in TV. <laughs> wow. so, so it was like things like that um actually since moving to atlanta now is like the first time i'm seeing a lot of like film crews like i saw the the film crew for shazam 2 i've seen the film oh. crew for uh stranger things um just the other day driving home they because like the way they do it is like they have like a cone and they set it up for um they put like initials as like code for like what's being recorded. And the last thing I saw was like something called Flotus. So I was like the first lady of the United States movie, I guess. I don't I don't know. So that was the last that was the last one I've seen. It's always funny because I, I grew up in the LA area, but I was just far enough away like from any filming, because that's all mainly Hollywood or downtown LA. Uh, but like the areas a lot of people who work in Hollywood live there. And I've seen like Danny Pudi twice at two separate coffee shops from mm-hmm. community. I've seen Will Wheaton walk by with his wife at the coffee shop I was like doing work at. Uh, the biggest one I was, I was most excited for is um, the, the video store that my buddy worked at. I go in there to rent a movie mm-hmm. and he's chatting with uh, Andre Royal who played Bubbles in The Wire. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. And, and it's just like the guy looks really familiar, you know, and then he walks out, and I go to my buddy, like, holy shit, wait, wasn't that Bubbles with the wire? He's like, yeah, he goes in here sometimes, like, oh, man, should have, you know, should have offered him some, you know, some pandemic, <laughs> you know, some some election day special, that's some why references for people who've seen it. Uh, he was probably in that package. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so here we go, the, the auditions for, they're auditioning for Fallout Boy. Which, uh, funny, funny enough, that's, this is actually where the band, Fallout Boy, that's where they got their name from. Oh, that makes sense now. Yeah, but like how many, I try to figure how many younger millennials and Zoomers don't know that. They, they, they think it's the reverse. They, oh, Fallout Boy was named after him. Yeah. This, this was devastating as a kid. Bart, like being just an inch and a half away from the role of Fallout Boy. Oh, yeah. That actually really got to me as a kid. <laughs> uh, you know, an inch and a half. And then it's like, well, her desperate attempts. Uh, but like, I, gentlemen, I grew that inch you wanted, plus several feet. <laughs> he's like wearing pinstripes. He does his hair up so it's tinier. And of course, he's got the really kind of a dark gag where he's getting a snowball as has the helper to try to stretch him. Stretch him, draw and quarter him is what that actually is. <laughs> I think it's amazing in the first place of how strong the cat and the dog are to like yeah. even lift them up. <laughs> even, even like yeah, a couple inches off the ground. Uh, yeah. Also, as I understand, if you do half an inch in one day, isn't that like like freakish? Actually, freakish growth. Yeah, that oh, is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the gag of Grandpa walking below the table. Yeah. All right. So I've got a curious because you guys are a little more visually astute than I had. How does it how does the digital coloring look in this kind of out in general? Uh well I'm watching this on Disney Plus, so like the aspect ratio is skewed and they're trying to make it like high definition. So it's like very muddled muddledy. Mm. 
it's it's very it's very it's very awkward but i think at this point in my life i don't care as long as it's in english so i can like do other things at the same time <laughs> I'm, I'm shaking my head the purest in me is shaking my head is it i mean well i i don't blame I, you. I i i specifically refuse to get disney plus until they fix the aspect ratio on the simpsons <laughs> Because the thing is, it's not just like a purity of like all the size, like the actual jokes were cut off because of it. Yeah. Yes. Like it ruins the actual storytelling of, of what you're doing with your, your format thing. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm kind of curious. Like, how do you, in terms of the animation of looking, how do you think it's, it's aged? I, honestly, it doesn't bother me. I mean, I think it still looks fine. There's certainly a difference between season two and season seven, but uh, I, I wouldn't say it's like a deal breaker. Um, I think it's still still very much watchable. Mm-hmm. All right. uh, well, I guess, it I guess. does look a little weird now that yeah. I mean, like I hadn't, it hadn't occurred. I didn't know what it was, but there there was definitely something, some difference that couldn't. So couldn't because quite... of that, when apparently when the episode first aired, they got just got a ton of hate mail from the fans <laughs> because of it. Well, I think that's that seems unwarranted. Yeah, I think that's what this is. I love this keg about like. Weren't you? Weren't you the guy who directed you know this movie oh. on natural discretion? And he, and he goes like, oh, oh that, ooh, that movie. I never walked out of a movie before, but I love like that. <laughs> that movie title too is just so perfect '90s of like erotic thriller or something oh, like. Uh, yeah. It's just like God. Uh, that's something I. That's not. That's a genre, a phase of the movie '90s I do not miss. What all these. Thrillers? Yeah, I just remember, eh, just like we're growing up, all these commercials and trailers just spam erotic thrillers, and all my like, middle school chums were just like, oh man, like let's go see, you know, Unfaithful, you know, oh my god, or <laughs> I remember it's just like God, like even as a kid, I understood that like no matter how sexy or erotic, even though I didn't really quite understand those concepts, like these movies are just gonna be too bad to enjoy. But the boobs. <laughs> what do you go there for? You go there to see boobs. Well, they're even, were they even nudity in most of these, even though they're R-rated? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you uh, know, I said, like, you know, I didn't know. I wouldn't know. Oh. Uh, yeah, I've never, I've never seen one. I, I think at most closest would be Cruel Intentions. I don't know. The thing is, I, I ended up seeing a fair amount of them, but only edited for syndication on TV when there was nothing else to watch and they would show. <laughs> a lot of these, but of course, they're edited, so nothing, you don't see anything. <laughs> It was like a lot of Sharon Stone movies. There's a lot of movies you have to be in them. Right, like uh, Basic Instinct for once. I remember watching that on uh, Channel 11, and you know the infamous cross leg scene, and like they they blacked that out. And uh, oh on, really? Yeah, on the WB. I thought I thought they would just cut away from it or something. No, I mean because it's, it's just like such a it's such a prolific scene that they had to do it, but they had to figure out a way to like block it at the same time. Um, cause like, I remember at one point the WB, like late at night on Saturdays, they would show like, you know, <laughs> dark movies. Cause I remember it like watch silence of the lambs at 11 at 11 PM. And after, after the 10 o'clock news or, um, what was another one? They, they, they pushed it was silence of the lambs, uh, basic instinct, uh, and some other crap. But those are like the two that really stood out to me. It's also like it's kind of funny watching this episode about like this big blockbuster superhero episode. Now in the age of like you know we get like three Marvel movies a year plus how many? Um, 
I'm trying to wonder if like there's any gags now that were like kind of ahead of their time on that. Mm, I would say the the painting the horses to look like cows. The <laughs> 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 uh. teamsters, I guess. That's something I I didn't get until I was older. Like how how much power they wield because of their uh, their unionized. Yeah. So like I mean. Because when is uh movie uh episode came out 1995 right 1995 yeah right and then I mean of course we have those those, those terrible Marvel movies that came out um the yeah, Super nobody, nobody, nobody watched them <laughs> yeah like were, a Nick Fury the Cat America movie right I think, the, I think that's it no there was a Fantastic Four movie the Thor movie um I mean like everyone I guess loved Incredible Hulk at some point in time hey that show was great shut up. I mean, I've never seen it, so I'm I don't know. The show, the show's really good. But oh, like the okay. big well, thing everyone's buying was the the Lou Ferrigno one. Yeah. yeah. You know, very very formulaic, very very formulaic episodic. Uh, but you know, it was cool. You know, for what they could do, nice okay. nice classic theme. But I think mean, like the big thing at the, at this time was um the Tim Burton Batman movies. Yes, because yeah. uh, the first one came out in '89. Yeah, and the second one I think was already out too at that point. That came out like 1990, I want to say. Mm-hmm. I think it was like 91. Uh, so wait, so what was the what was the year between uh, Batman? <laughs> oh, this, oh, this is a great Waterworld joke. I want to say though. I love that. I always love you a good Waterworld joke. You know, I've never seen that movie. Oh, do yourself a favor and <laughs> and, uh, and watch Waterworld. Yeah, it's uh, a movie that's. A- Apparently it's not as bad now as people say. I only remember watching it as a kid and remember thinking it was not great. I think it's also I guess it's not necessarily the, it's less about the movie itself, which is might be decent. It's more about like at the time in the news about its absurd budget. Mm-hmm. Like it was like yeah, that's what it was. It was like I think at the time it was made the most expensive movie ever and it just bombed super hard. Yeah. Wow. Remember, there's that they have another Waterworld joke in The Simpsons about Homer um, Milhouse playing the Waterworld arcade game, yeah. and he he has to put in 40 quarters, and then he walks two steps, and it's game over, and then he's like, oh, oh man, and then he pumps 40 more quarters in. Yeah, <laughs> more great, the great jag about that, uh, jag about that. I will say, Waterworld does make for a really good theme park attraction. Yeah, I know. It's got the staying power of like I. I it's really incredible. Like the relationship between like how poorly the movie did and like how well the theme park attraction did is like, it's so disparate is I, I, it's truly astonishing. Yeah. Mm. Anyone ever tourists, any, anyone want to be go to vacation LA, do yourself a favor. Don't go to fucking Disneyland. Like all the losers do. You go to universal studios. You go, you go watch that water world. (laughs) That show. That's where all the cool, that's where, that's where it's at. You know, I forgot there's a Universal in uh, California. I always thought that one came first. That predates the Florida one. It, it probably did. I mean, I felt like all the ones in California did, but just that, like, it just so happened that, you know, they were able to get in on the ground. That's why, like, Disney has, like, an, not just, like, a campus, like, essentially an entire city, like, outside <laughs> of Orlando. Many, many yeah. And to the point where, like, the the state of Florida doesn't have income tax. I mean, not income tax, uh, state tax, because uh, they make so, so much money off of Florida. Uh, I, mean, I, I think this is my favorite gag in the whole episode, the the magic of modern editing. 
<laughs> Especially as I understood how film, my knowledge of film increased and how editing works. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And of course, there's a classic phrase that I use every once in a while when I can't Jimmy Jillikers. Are you, are you telling me, Phil, you don't actually try to use Simpsons quotes in real life? I do, as much as I can, to be honest. Uh, no, I tend to sing, like, the songs, to be honest. <laughs> hmm. Like, um, yes, I know. Like, I, I continue watching after season eight. Because, like, again, as a kid, I needed to watch cartoons. So, like... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's also a great gag about... Are you going to... The dog's going to save the house? Or are they going to, like, kill him and catch him? And then, uh, Chupino just, just mumbles away. All right. Slot I think around the time this episode aired, my friend David uh, was having his birthday. And we went to a slot car, uh, a slot <laughs> car, <laughs> and everyone saw that that bus crash, and we're, well, we knew what we wanted to do when we were on that track. Uh, I don't think we. I didn't know. I didn't, I, didn't know I didn't know that was actually a thing. I didn't know that was, was a thing. First in didn't blow up, but like. No, yeah. like like slot car, like public slot car racing. Yeah, yeah. This one um, was. I remember it being huge. I think actually we saw the Spawn movie and then we went to slot car racing. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. That's super, that's super 90s sentence right there. That really yeah. is because I didn't learn about slot car racing. Like, I mean, of course you have the little things on the TV, like, like trying to advertise the, the crap to the kids, but then playing uh Yakuza zero and Yakuza one, Right, right. they have slot car, slot car racing in that, and I was like, "Oh snap, this is a thing!" And you can mod them. Whoa! Yeah. So, wow, that's crazy. Oh yeah, this is a this is a great gag about like the of Millhouse saying the real heroes are people, you know, curing heart disease and wiping out world hunger. And Mark's just saying these people are lame. You gotta go to the celebrities. <laughs> to the lesser extent, the Van Dams. Yeah. <laughs> and this is. So this is my introduction as a kid to Mickey Rooney because I've yeah, never seen. Yeah. I, I still don't think I've seen. I don't, I still have not seen a movie with Mickey Rooney in it. Neither, neither have I. Like Mickey Rooney, I know from The Simpsons. And also, I, I know, uh, I know him as that like infamous racist clip where he plays an Asian guy. The, oh yeah. Oh, is that Mickey Rooney? That <laughs> oh was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's Mickey Rooney. In uh, Breakfast <laughs> at Tiffany's. Yes. Uh, oh. Man, I've never seen him like he looks just shy of human. If you've ever seen him like move or talk, like he he is very he's very short and he moves like um like a gecko. He in his face like constantly looks like it's melt. It's for generations looked like it's melting. <sighs> if you there's a, a a really good clip that the found footage festival found of like him teaching teaching acting uh, to the listeners i was doing big air quotes there um, <laughs> jimmy, jimmy jillikers jimmy Jilker. i imagine his is that was you know what he's doing right now is follow-up what was probably how that class went <laughs> <laughs> i think his what he's doing right now is a little bit more nuanced <laughs> <laughs> oh this is my favorite gag too that i really really did not understand as a kid about like <laughs> about like oh you you took these hollywood these poor Hollywood people for all their money, you know, they just want to make a movie and you, and you, you a decent small town, you know, <laughs> just like exploited them. I actually genuinely felt bad for the Hollywood yeah. filmmakers <laughs> as a kid. 
<laughs> oh man, that is just now. Now you know. Well, this is why I think this is why the what the Simpsons is so brilliant. Because like they don't take the obvious route of, of trashing Hollywood and satirizing Hollywood. Like like so many people, what's the lowest hanging fruit? You just show all the exploitation and scandals and whatnot. But this one they flip it. They just play the irony of it. Of like, look, they like all these. They they're welcome back, and they're like, take all the money you need from our vaults, and they start playing. Um, what's the song like? Don't you know? Lean on me. Yeah, lean on me. Mm. Which is like, I think is the the best. The most perfect way to do the satire of something that's so overdone of Hollywood is just 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 flip it on its head. Yeah, you know. And then the first time I've been to, not the first, the second time being in LA and going to like the Hollywood Walk of Fame, it was nothing like I thought it would be. Because I thought it was like you know this special sectioned off area of like you know where the stars <laughs> are. It's like no, it's literally in the middle of the street. Like there's a guy on the corner selling bottles of water. Oh, that the area where the stars are sectioned off—that's that's in Bel Air. That's where they, they, no one lives in Hollywood except four people, or oh. or like below the locker. They all live. They don't. Man, they don't even, they're like Bel Air, Hollywood Hills, or you know the Valley. Yeah, see, I had no idea. I thought it was gonna be like fancy and everything. It was like no, or, just, or Malibu, or you know, really, yeah, just that's tourist it. trap. That's I mean, what that is. I, I don't know if I told either of you this, but I, there's a time in my life when I lived in 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 Bel Air, not very long. Um, you were I, you were the fresh you were the fresh prince. Well, I don't know if I call it that, but I I was okay. So I got into uh, a fight, and my mother was a little scared. Um, <laughs> she told me that I was going to move in with my aunt and, and uncle, um, and and they just happened to live in Bel Air. Um, oh wow! After I uh, well, you know, I got I went there by cab. Um, and I, I pulled up, I think it was roughly seven or eight. Um, and, and I, I said to the cab that I would, uh, I, I used the parlance of the time, which was smell you later. <laughs> um, and then I don't remember how the rest of the song goes. Uh, you know, for a second, initially you got, you had me going. Cause like, I did like, like for a second too. I thought like you really did live in Bel Air. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I should have uh, I should have kept going. Couldn't keep a straight face though. Yeah, I mean that's what happens when you get the the words of the song. Also, I assumed that like what is the more likely scenario? I was like, well, Pete, I could believe that being white, you could have rich relatives that, who have just like that generations of wealth and that, but don't don't give it to the rest of the family. So yeah, <laughs> you got you got me guilty as charged. So there we go, listeners. That was uh, our Simpsons commentary. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you if you did it, again, you can send your complaints to at Yang on Twitter. That's my handle. Um, Pete, it was great to have you on. Thank you for having me. It was great to see you both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Too. Yep, and we always, you know, any any chance we have to talk about Simpsons, you know, always good. Um, we might we might do some more of this. Um, like any, like I say, any excuse we have to watch The Simpsons will be a great one. Is there maybe, maybe you know, I mean, maybe would you, maybe we could let you pick. You know, what was there any particular ones you want to do, Pete? Uh, actually, you know, I said the Cape Fear one earlier, but I think um, the uh, Planet of the Apes musical one where uh, <laughs> that's another that's... great example of. Uh, I didn't realize the Doctor's A.S. song was based on another a real song. Uh, 
Yeah, Rocky Amadeus. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, I learned that's, uh, that like two years ago. Also. Uh, oh man, that's. Anyway, yes, that's, that's the episode I would pick. That's so funny you bring that up because like lately on the internet I've, been, I've seen people referencing that movie on <laughs> referencing the episode all the time. Yeah, I I hate I hate yeah I hate every eight I see for Chip and eight Chip and <laughs> Specifically, that's the line they're referencing. Yeah, that that episode is uh, T to B, uh, solid gold. Hmm. That's that's a, <laughs> yeah. that's a great one. Um, there you? is actually. Oh, you do. If we had like, if you had your choice, Phil, what what do you think you uh, which episode do you think you would do, even if it wasn't comics? Ah, uh, uh, for the Simpsons, uh, the oh, the bodyguard episode. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good. That was, what was that? The one with Mark Hamill. Oh, Mark that, okay, that Mark Hamill. Yeah. Right. I remember. Uh, yeah, I remember. It was not great, but Mark Hamill was funny. Yeah. So, cause like it's it was like my first introductory, cause I didn't know Mark Hamill at the time was the voice of the Joker. I just knew him from Star Wars. So like seeing him outside of the context of Star Wars, but still like dressed up as Luke Skywalker, I found that very amusing as a kid. A funny story. He they asked him to do it originally. Uh, he really resisted it. He thought they were like making fun of his career and Star Wars, and it was, his kids had to talk him into it. Hmm. <laughs> but like 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 they're like yeah dad come on like it's a love letter and don't take yourself so seriously. And I think I think eventually they had him on. Like the guy, same guys and dolls. That's what kind of finally convinced him. <laughs> There's another episode. I've never watched the entire one. I've only ever watched a couple of clips, specific scenes. And it's a more recent comic book focused one. Is that uh, I don't remember what season it is, but it's like there's a rival comic book store that opens up across the Android's dungeon. And it's actually closer to like a cool comic book store today, like what uh-huh. you would see in Portland. And uh, the uh, the owner is voiced by Jack Black. And, like, they look like, you know, kind of hipster geeks, but they're nice. They're not, like, the gatekeeping asshole, like, comic book guy. And the thing that, that I know about it is that for their opening, they had, and they voiced themselves, Alan Marr, Arch Spiegelman, and Daniel Clowns as mm. themselves. And they're just, like, these great gags playing off their reputations. Like, Lisa goes up to Daniel Clowns, like, oh... Mr. Clowns, I love your works exploring the subtle nuances of, like, you know, the mother-daughter relationship. It's like, that's nice little girl. Hey, do you know anyone at DC where I can write for Batman? <laughs> and he shows off, like, these clips. I've been working on my utility belts. Or, um, and then Alan Moore, another um, great Jaguar. Sparkles, uh, like, oh, man, Alan Moore, I love what you did. Your, your run on Radioactive, man. He goes like, oh, you like how I... I'm not going to do the accent. Uh, it's going to sound painful. But, oh, you love how I turned your favorite superhero into a heroin-addicted jazz critic with no actual superpowers. And he goes like, no, I just like the, the way it was drawn. How, how do you get it till the muscles look so tight on the costume? I <laughs> uh, <laughs> think, like, the gag that just killed it was... Um, uh, radioactive... No, comic book guy comes up, literally starts wrecking the store. And then uh, the three of them, like, all right, guys, time to hop into action. They all rip off their shirts, and these, like, these giant super Giant, yeah, super, and they're, like, they're and, flying to the sky. Yeah, and Art Spiegelman, this is, like, his only line. He, he pulls out a mask that looks like this mouse figure, and he goes, mouse, as in the house. <laughs> <laughs> and they start beating up. And it's, like, the rest of the episode, I understand, is pretty bad, but, like, those, those, scenes are, those cameos are funny. Hmm. 
Yeah, that was because that was a that was a fairly recent episode too. I don't think about that's it. That's like definitely way after. That's like season, I don't know, ten, twelve, fifteen, yeah. something like that. There's a really good uh, recent, uh, I mean, relatively recent episode of uh, Simpsons where uh, comic book guys, for whatever reason, out of commission, and Barton Millhouse run the store, and they find the comic book guys' uh, cache of hidden hidden videos. This is like pre YouTube. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> I do, I do oh, remember yeah. that. And yeah. there's a clip of uh, the one clip of Mr. Rogers drunk, and you can you only hear it. It's just him going, "What do you mean I can't take off my sweater? I'm hot!" I'm hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was probably one of the funniest scenes I've like I've seen on The Simpsons because like I used to love Mr. Rogers. I mean, well, I still do love Mr. Rogers as a kid. And just like to hear that scene, like just imagining how he was like sitting there on set, like I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, got, that's why you gotta watch that new Rich, Mr. Rogers movie. Then it's a beautiful day. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, play, they play around with that 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 perception of Mr. Rogers. I'd rather uh, what's it called? Watch the episode of Black Dynamite where Mr. Rogers is uh, apparently a former soldier and he's keeping kids hostage in order to protect them from adults. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay yeah that's actually a riff off like an urban legend about mr rogers that he was like a navy seal he was sniper, a navy seal sniper. Yeah, in vietnam no. or something well, yeah. or that's that is a it's, rumor it's, it's, it's a rumor it's an urban legend that's oh. not true would be funny I mean, if it was though i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't mind believing it because i know like bob ross used to be a drill sergeant before right. he yeah. uh, before doing the painting stuff so so yeah. i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised yep yep so Let's call that episode here. I'm Eric Wong. Um, Phil Fleming. And Pete, since you're our guest, we'll give you the honor of doing our sign-off, which oh. is you name, you name a 90s or early 2000s TV show, and we are whatever that early night like that 90s early 2000s TV show. Oh, well, thank you. This is uh, quite an honor. Uh, I'm Peter Glanting, and uh, we are Herman's Head. Uh, I don't even know what that is. That sounds like super familiar. Like I'm. Ah. Uh, it's it. There's a guy named Herman and. Oh um, wait. No, no, okay, I think you have Beekman. I think you have Beekman's world. Never mind. Oh. Well, be. Yeah, it, no, not Beacon's World. So it, 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 look it up. I'm not going to. Oh, yeah, I see. I see yeah, it used to come on on Fox. All right. Um, I'll look at it after. All right. You know, <laughs> Herman's Head, everybody. That's what we are. Herman's Head. Bye, everyone. <laughs>